0: Coach Matt here. This is a Coach's Handbook. This is the best time. Why you want to be an outcast. Numbers don't lie. You gain a lot from this math class. It takes time to be great. You can learn the lesson. Blood, sweat, and tears. Heartbeat of a champion. Big ball small. Your heart is the biggest weapon. So follow before you lead And water and plant your seeds. When it's all said and done. you need be the best they ever seen. So listen to my catamomal on this coach's blog. Welcome to another episode of A Coach's Handbook, where each week I get the privilege to chat with some great coaches and learn what makes them tick. This week, you'll notice my background does not have a soccer goal, if you can believe that. What I wanted to do with this podcast is to chat with coaches from all sports, and this week, I have someone who has coached for years something other than soccer. Hint, look at my background. Welcome, Coach Mike Model. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I'm really excited. I know it's been a couple weeks that we've been trying to get together. Um, yeah. So excited. Of course, spring break was in there um, for us, at least. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of things kept going, but we finally got you on. Um, I want to learn about you. I'm gonna, I think we're going to talk a little bit. And uh, let's start off with um, what was your first memory as a kid involving spring? sports whether it was you playing or you watching what was your first memory with sports
1: um so I can tell I probably tell you both playing was playing little league uh, playing little league baseball and uh I don't know why it was so exciting but putting the little stirrup socks on that go on the uniform just always looks so cool to me made me feel like a big time ball player just to put those on so I'll never forget that feeling of, you know, putting on the uniform for the first time and putting those stirrups on. Um, again, I don't know why because they did nothing but drive me nuts the rest of the time I played, but I absolutely loved it. And then as far as watching sports, I was a huge Pistons fan. And I uh, remember going to um, the Silver Dome to watch them play before they had, they drafted Isaiah and Kelly Tripuka was their big, you know, big, big star. And we went to watch and play the Atlanta Hawks and some guy bringing some beers behind us, trip and dumped beer all over my mom. So it was just a really like neat experience and a fun experience. Um, It's the only time that I went to a Pistons game with my entire family. Uh, I had one brother and then my dad and my mom. And then after that, it was just me and my dad would go every so often um, to see him play.
0: I, I love that my my family. So we're big Spurs fans, um, and we actually go watch the Pistons play the Spurs almost every oh, cool. year. We have it in the last two years, and it's just a great feeling to have your whole family involved in that big arena. And yeah, um, it's it's memorable, and it it, it really is. gets you hyped, hyped up. Um, we'll go to
1: some baseball games sometimes, in a couple different stadiums. So um, as a family, and we I love it.
0: So, growing up, it was a very big – sports was was big in your life.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It was big in my life, but not in my family. Um, so, you know, my, my dad loved the Pistons. He'd watch the Pistons, but he didn't really watch much else. Like Thanksgiving, he'd watch the Lions. Maybe he'd watch the Lions. He had nothing else going on. Um, but I was always watching every game. And uh, um, anything I could get, anything I could play, anything I could watch, um, I was always – you know, that's the way it was, but my brother wasn't really into sports. He started, I think he wrestled when he was like a junior in high school, but before that he never did anything. Um, but I was the sports guy in the family. So, it, it. but luckily I had a group of friends around me that were all that way too.
0: So, so your family wasn't big in sports. Then you, you said, you know, little league was your very first taste of um, organized sports. How mm-hmm. did you get, how did you get there? How did you, how did you, start that well you know
1: I always enjoyed just what it wasn't even the competition at that point for me it was just I liked watching the game so it was fun to watch for me you know, watching Lou Whitaker and Alan Trammell and um you know just watching the the Tigers and I, grew, I was born in 74 so you know when they won the world series I was like 10 years old so it's like you get you know luckily you started out when they were winning not when they were you know so it's easy to kind of pick it up um I know that's, uh, that doesn't work for the Lions, unfortunately, because I'm still a Lions fan, so I'm not quite sure that logic holds any water. But uh, I just always really liked being outside. I liked being, uh, wasn't really an inside person um, growing up. And so it, when hanging out with friends, we'd swing a bat here and there, and then people just signed up for Little League. It was something to do. So it was t-ball, so it wasn't too tough. Um, and then it just uh, kind of snowballed from there, really a, Enjoy. started to enjoy the competition side of it. I enjoyed the getting dirty part of it. I enjoyed the, just the physicality of it. I always really enjoyed. And I was a very small kid. Um, so I, I think I graduated high school, probably 140, 150 pounds. I think my leg weighs that now, but. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what it was all about. I just always loved being out and about.
0: What, uh, how long did you play baseball for? You know, I just played all the way
1: through little league. So I played like uh, I, I did. They st- in Grand Rapids, where I'm from. It was T-ball, and then it was T-pitch, where it'd be half the game was on a you hit the ball of T. Half the game would be like a coach pitch. And then they had what they call minors and majors. So you do two years of minors, two years of majors. So me and two other kids, there's like uh, eight teams. So me and two other kids got without even asking us, we got bumped from T-pitch and skipped minors and went straight to majors oh wow so there were three you know so there we were split up to different, we were all on the same team in, in the first two years and I the kids I didn't know and just from kids from other schools so then uh we got split on a different team so now I'm with kids that are like four years older than me and I'm extremely small for my age um so that had kind of you know really honestly it intimidated me um I think my first at bat we had, we called the the older kids seniors. So they've been probably like, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade type mm-hmm. deal. About to go into high school. And uh, I was up against this kid. They didn't even have a helmet that fit me. I mean, the helmet would like went out to here, would like move <laughs> on my head. And I got beamed like four times in that game. And it just created this thing where I started to become afraid of the ball. Oh. Um, and it took me a really, really, really long time to kind of get over it. Uh, I would just kind of naturally pull my head just waiting to have to back out if I had to even as I got older so um, basketball became my passion and so I decided I you know in school I had to only play one sport because I ended up developing I didn't develop I always had flat feet and I played so much that I started to have a tendon that runs along the bottom of your foot that started to tear so um, they told me I can only play one sport a year in high school Um, junior high I we didn't have middle school, we had junior high. So junior high, I played multiple sports. And then high school, I, I was all basketball, just basketball.
0: Very good. So you said you played multiple sports. Just out of curiosity, real quick, what other sports did you try?
1: Uh, wrestling, I did two years of wrestling and track and uh, base, uh, baseball and basketball.
0: Okay, track, What what's, which uh, events did you do?
1: I did hurdles, I did high jump. And then I did uh, um, 440
0: and 880. Oh, nice. So you you played basketball. That was your big thing. You played through high school? Yep. Um, Did you play for the high school and for a travel league? Did you play? No, they didn't
1: have travel. I did AAU. Um, So all they had was AAU. So you would try out for the Grand Rapids area team for your age. And if uh, you're good enough to make the team, you made the team. So. I was a starting point guard for the AAU team, and uh, we went over to Ann Arbor and would to have tournaments. Um, but you know, we we did okay. We weren't, we weren't great, um, but we were decent. But they didn't really have travel like they do now. You know, back in the you know the '80s, they didn't have as many travel opportunities available. There weren't there wasn't a courthouse. There wasn't. You know, there wasn't all that stuff there. There was a couple of baseball travel teams, but not very many. If you played baseball, travel through baseball, you were going to be traveling, traveling mm-hmm. um, here. There's enough teams, you know, baseball, softball, basketball, you know, sports are year round now. Um, and it, you know, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing in my opinion. Um, you know, and I, I'm part of the problem by being a travel coach, but um, you know, on our, our, varsity and JV team for Vicksburg, every girl from top to bottom play travel. Yeah. So it's like if you didn't play, we even cut kids that play travel. so if you didn't play travel, you had no chance. Right. And, but it also I think that dynamic takes away a little bit from the incentivizing kids to be multi-sport athletes. Mm-hmm. Because now we're asking our kids to, you know, if you want to be multi-sport athlete, you got to play travel. So you're good enough to play, you know, going to make the softball team, but you also have to play, you know, maybe play travel to maybe good enough to be on the basketball team mm-hmm. or on the volleyball team or the baseball team or whatever team, you know, and it, it's tough because I think we're seeing a lot less of the multi-sport athlete because of it. Yeah. And I think there's a trade-off of good and bad, and I'm not sure which is, which is the better option. Um, but if you want to be good enough, unfortunately, nowadays, you almost have to do it.
0: Totally. You know, we do that with our kids, you know, we, we try to, instill. you know, this is the first year we didn't totally take off the winter of soccer. Um, I'm, I teach skiing and snowboarding. Um, so I've been doing that 25 years. So my kids are out riding with me in the, in the winter. And this is the first time that we chose to stay with soccer too. So they missed out on a little bit of that as well. But um, yeah, well, and that's
1: where it comes down to is uh, um, the kids have to now make more sacrifices than what we used to when we were younger. And uh, on one hand it's good because I think the level of play for all these kids is, is going up. Um, but on the downside, there's a, there's a trade-off of having fun. And I've seen a lot of girls, I know your kids aren't quite there yet, but a lot of girls is, and, and boys as they get older, they get to be juniors and seniors. They're kind of like, yeah, hey, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And you start to see a, a big drop in the number of teams that are out there, like for travel, um, because of kids kind of are like, okay, I'm either not good enough or I don't want to put in this level of effort.
0: You or know, they're I, burned I out.
1: Well, that's just it. They get burned out. And yeah. I think that what I find at the younger ages, it's funny you bring up burnout. That's one of my biggest problems with younger ages. Um, you know, when my daughter's done, in another year here because she's a junior. So next year she could play travel again and then she'll be off to college. You know, the question is, will I start over again? And and my health can hold up. then yeah, I'd like to coach some more, but I don't know if I want to coach nine and tens. And I love the kids, but one, the parents are not always easy to deal with at that age. Um, (laughs) But two, you get, you know, I talk to parents all the time that, you know, the problem is, yes, your kid loves the game and they do it all the time. They do it on their own. But my daughter would eat chocolate every single day for every meal if I allowed her to when she was younger. But there would be ramifications for that down the, down the road if I don't force her to eat better and to, you know, regulate that a little bit. So I think there's a balancing act between my kids just really passionate, loves it, and you forcing some moderation on them. So mm-hmm. I don't know what that balance is. It's different for every family. But I see a lot of people making that mistake. And of course, living vicariously through their kids. It's another mistake.
0: Absolutely. Going back to your childhood a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, what style, I mean, obviously you played a few different sports, um, had different coaches. Um, what style of coaching do you did you respond to the best as a player?
1: You know, what's funny is uh, I responded to the type of coaching that is exactly the opposite of the way I coach. Um, I responded to the coaches that would get into me. Um, you know, they, that would be harder on me and mm-hmm. that would expect more from me than they expected from the other players. Um, so I had a uh, assistant coach, actually, that would just lose his mind when, you know, some of us would make mistakes. And he would work really hard not to lose his mind with some other kids that were maybe weren't quite as good um, when they made mistakes. But I, it always raised my level. Um, but the, the good thing that he did and the thing that I liked about him is that he would then come back around and tell me like why that was a mistake or why I did that wrong. Um, but if I ever started to get tired and loafed it a little bit, man, he never missed it, not once. So um, that always helped me also to make sure I remember that you have to stay focused when you're, when you're tired. And because uh, you get tired, you start to lose focus. You start, stop running as hard. You stop you know, working as hard. And he did not allow that for a second. He, I felt like he watched me and only me at practice, but he was good <laughs> at that. And, you know, he was just good at being able to multitask and see that and not let you slip. So I was responded actually to the ones that would be, would yell at me or, you know, tell me that sucked rather than, you know, put his arm around me and be, hey, it's okay. You know, I, but I am that type of guy. I'm not a yeller. So. Right.
0: But we'll get to you in a little bit. So just hold tight <laughs> okay. there. Okay. Uh, last thing about your youth and I won't make you think so hard about how, you know, we're, we're not too far off in age. And so I know that sometimes it's like, Ooh, I gotta think back that far. Uh, can you look back at your youth and single out a sports related memory of you playing that really you'll remember forever? And it doesn't have, to. I mean, it could be good or bad, but just something yeah. that will get you there.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, um there's nothing to me, there's nothing like, and this isn't one specific, it's just a general, there's nothing like having a, being in a gym, having a crowd relatively close to the court, mm-hmm. completely full, and then you make some kind of sweet pass or you make some sweet move to get past, I was a point guard, to get past somebody. And you, it's not the like cheers, it's the ooh yeah. that you get from the crowd, you know? And I mean, I get goosebumps even just now thinking about it. And there was just, there's something about that, that, or the, you know, you make a steal and you, you know, on a break on a, a very close game and the crowd just goes crazy. There's just an adrenaline you just cannot replicate. Um, and then the other thing is on the de- the bad side is I I, injured myself in my second game, third game of my high school my senior season oh no and uh i damaged my ankle pretty bad and i was out for the rest of the season and uh i i handled it really poorly um i really did i handled it very very poorly and i i felt like you know i played all these years and never been hurt and it's you know my senior year my you know the big year i ended up getting hurt and uh i let that consume me a little bit And i didn't pick up a basketball for Fifteen years, probably. Oh wow! That's I started coaching, which is not the right way to handle it. I shouldn't have been that way, and I loved the game. Um, so it took me a while. And of course, when you you know pick it up again, you can't do what you used to do. So then you're like, "This sucks. I'm not doing it anymore." You know, it, it's just not the right way to do things. So you know, I, w- I should have been stronger mentally back when I was younger. So I've learned that lesson now, trying to teach that to kids that are older, or this generation,
0: I should say. This, yeah, this generation. Uh, well, we can all. I mean, again, that's another. You know, those are two real great positive and negative that you can learn from. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it shows that you were excited about the game, and there was love with the game in terms oh, of it. you know um, the the cheer, not the cheers, but the the oos and the ahs and mm-hmm. um, that that never happened to me on the <laughs> soccer field that much, um, but once in a while, once in a while, but uh, uh, you know. The, the 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 other side of it, too, is, you know, hey, you know, just because you're injured doesn't mean you you have to stop just because right. you, you know, don't don't let this little hurdle in the grand scheme of things. This is this is five minutes in a long day, you know, yep. j- we just. Well, on. and
1: even if it's, uh, you know, even if your rehab is long and it's, you know, it's worth the fight, mm-hmm. it's worth the the push to get back into it, because, you know, I was telling my kids when you hang up the shoes, the boots, the cleats, whatever it is, you know, once you hang them up, they're hung up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's never the same. Like once you finally give it up, even if you go back to it a little bit, it's not the same. So, um, make sure you really have given it everything you you've given it to say, I feel good about, you know, doing this. I'll miss it. But at least I know I from start to finish, I gave it everything. And I unfortunately didn't at the end. And, uh, um, so I learned that lesson. Great.
0: All right. Now we're going we're gonna to switch gears a little bit. Uh, we know softball you've coached. You've mentioned that. Um, you just mentioned you've coached basketball. Is there any other sports that you've coached since? Nope.
1: Those are the only two that I've coached. I mean, uh, you know, I, I didn't do baseball for the little league just because my son played for a year, but because I was already coaching my daughter and I'd been coaching other kids. Um, so my wife coached my, my son for a year um for little league but uh um that was the only two coaches things i've ever coached i told my son william i'd love to coach soccer but i just don't know enough about it to, you <laughs> well, know, well we're gonna get it. to
0: that we're gonna get to that one you're you're jumping <laughs> ahead with that I, I have a fun question oh there's not a soccer
1: one. quiz because i'm gonna fail it i can tell no, you that no right no no
0: but we have we have a fun question for that in a little bit okay um so was it your kids that started you coaching, or did you start coaching before your kids were able to?
1: I actually did a uh, ran a basketball clinic up in uh, Grand Rapids for a year, um, and it was one of those deals where you know it's on every Saturday, and you you know it's for through a school, and it'd be sixty to eighty kids. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, but then no, I didn't start coaching until my kids got older because. I always worked jobs where I was working eighty hours a week, you know, trying to, you know, make a living. And you know, one that finally was able to get to a position where I was a district manager, or general manager, and I was able to plan ahead and set myself up to where I had time to then, you know, start coaching and doing all that stuff. So yeah, I didn't start coaching until my kids were, my daughter was old enough to start playing sports.
0: Okay. Let's get into softball. Okay. Uh, you played baseball. Up until mm-hmm. um, high school, um, you knew the game. You knew that side of the game. Yep. Uh, what um, What is okay? Pretend I don't know anything because really I don't know much about softball. Sure. Uh, fast pitch. What is the What is the progression of softball? Um, I know that my daughter played coach pitch um, when she yep. was younger with the with the little spinning. Shooter thingy—that's yep. technical term. That pitching I machine. Pitching machine. There you go. Thank you. See, that tells you how much you know about softball. Uh, this is it. why I stayed on the sidelines. What? what give me the progression of uh, as a coach um, with softball from the young age to so what you do in for, high school. For little league, you know,
1: once you get to like the pitching machine level, the next year it is the kids pitch. But if the kids walk a certain number of batters, like usually it's uh, three batters in an inning, then the coach comes in and pitches um, mm-hmm. to either finish the inning or for a couple of, of batters. Um, and then the next inning starts again, and the kids pitch again. And there's a usually there's a uh, run cap per inning. So like one team can't put up 20 runs in an inning. Um, and for travel, it is um, the opposite of soccer. Instead of being like U9 and those would be eight-year-olds, it would be eight-eight so 9U softball means whatever your age is, January 1st of that year, that's your playing age for the previous fall and the summer. Because okay. you, you form your team in August for the next year. And then you play some t- tournaments or whatever in the fall, and then you go into um, the winter, and you got you play a tournament here or there if you want to, depending on what kind of travel team you want. And then you play in the spring, and then your season's over typically – Younger ages, I always stop like around May or June because, you know, they get real hot and, you know, nine and 10 year olds, just it's just too much for them. Uh, but the older kids, they don't start, you know, until June because of high school. So- Are we at run fast through pitch yet? It. Yeah, fast pitch. It's always fast pitch. Okay. There's no like uh men's slow pitch or nothing like that. It's always the underhand windmill motion. So of course, as they're younger, they're not, you know, throwing it very hard. And then they start out at 35 feet mound and bases are always 60 feet. So 60 feet from home to first, 60 feet from first to second, so on, so on, so on. Um, but the mound's at 35 feet. And then when they get to, from nine and, for nine and 10, when you get to 11 and 12, it goes to 40 feet. And then when you get to 14, it's 43 feet and that's where it stays all through college. So um, that way, you know, as you, the girls get stronger, you know, when they're young, they can't get it there from 40 feet then the stronger girls will be thrown too hard from 35 feet or 40 feet. So that's why they have the progression of backing. Up. Makes sense.
0: So, and I, I liked how you were talking about the progression and in, in this. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm ignorant in the world mm-hmm. of softball and baseball. It was the, the, the sports that I never really paid attention as a kid. Um, I, I loved watching my daughter play, but I, I didn't understand a lot of it. From a coaching standpoint, it does seem like coaching softball or baseball is different than other sports, meaning with soccer or basketball, most of the basics that we teach, and we teach at a young age, but we teach those same basics all the way up through professional. I mean, we're working on the same, obviously the dynamic is harder, but the, the, the basics are the same and they can be used anywhere on the field or on the court uh, with basketball and, um, and soccer. the exceptional goalie but even a lot of those basics are the the same but as a baseball or softball coach it seems like there's a lot of very uh, specific skills that you have to learn depending upon where you're playing I mean the the catcher is different than the pitcher and the pitcher is different than first and Mm -hmm. hitting is a completely different and there's people that hit you know, that are taught to bunt and there's people that are taught to, you know, home run and this, that, and the other. So yes. as, as a coach and the fact that you've coached basketball and you probably know a little bit of what I'm ex- trying to say with the, the basics being more broader with basketball and soccer, how do you know, how do you organize yourself to, to know what to teach and what to coach when you're coaching softball?
1: Um, it's no different than, than soccer and basketball. You start with the very basics. Okay. Throw, catch, hit. So, you know, in field. So you teach the kids, you know, how to grip the ball. Like when we throw the ball, how do we want to grip it? And we have this drill that we do where, you know, they, they start down on their knees, like one knee up, one knee down. And they've got a ball in their hand and they just flip. So they grab it by the laces. You got laces here and laces here. And you just flip it to each other so we're a couple feet away and then when that's done um, and that teaches them to, to spin the ball because in baseball and softball the way the ball spins dictates everything so it's not just you know how hard you can throw it's how hard can you throw and get that ball spinning to create the velocity that you want or the change in the pitch for pitchers So we're teaching the overhand motion and then we go down to, you know, we put a leg out and we kind of turn and we make, we're working on our elbow staying in rather than being way out here and throwing strikes. It's not baseball. It's not a small little baseball where you can make nice little, you know, sidearm throw softball throws when they're younger, especially have to be, you know, overhand. And then we get up and we throw regular. We did that from when they, I do that when they're in little league and I still do it today. And A lot of colleges do that exact same drill because it is, it's like, you know, touches in soccer. Like you never will stop doing that. That's just something that gets your mind focused on one of the basics in throwing the ball. um, It gets, softball is so much faster than any other sport I've ever done once the ball's in play. Um, Because there are girls that can run that 60 feet. And there's a difference with, than baseball is they're slappers. So a slapper will be a left-handed hitter Will be all the way in the back of the box and as the pitcher starts to throw that girl starts moving forward towards the pitcher and her goal is just to hit the ball down on the ground as hard as she can and you know so that it pops up you know hits the ground maybe goes high or it just hits and stays low and she'll take off (laughs) all right she's already in her running motion and that girl can run that 60 feet in like a second and a half you know three seconds or you know making those numbers up right now, but it's it's extremely fast. So the girl that fields it has to be able to get rid of it very quickly and throw it perfectly and hard, right where the first baseman can get it and the first baseman's got a stretch. So there's all these little other nuances that are different than baseball or softball. But either way, baseball or softball, you'll see the same kind of progression and then teaching them the proper way to field the ball. You know, it's not just put your glove. One of the biggest problems coaches have when they're young is, as long as the, the kid gets the ball, it's a great job. And we don't stop coaching just because they had success. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have looked like they're running up to the ball like a loaded with a loaded diaper in their pants. <laughs> like that, that may have <laughs> that gotten the ball me that time. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they may have gotten the ball that time, but if that ball's to the left or the right with the technique they're using, they're not gonna get that ball. So teaching them proper footwork on how to approach the ball. Um, there's so many little things that are nuances that can make a big difference. See, that's a big difference with softball and basketball. Basketball, you can draw up a play that can get you a score, right? Even if the kid's not great, you can, you know, work out some kind of, you know, pick and roll or some kind of thing where the kid can get open. With softball, you have the You There's so many things involved in learning how to hit. One of the hardest things to do is to hit a ball. It is in baseball, softball, it is one of the hardest things to do. Most kids will get lessons every week um, for years. In fact, you know, college, that's why college teams and, and pro teams have hitting coaches because mm-hmm. hitting is hard. They don't have, usually have many fielding coaches or whatever. I mean, they, you got to work on that too. But, and then the biggest difference also, I think between the two is, you know, basketball and soccer, it's, it's, there's nonstop things happening. The softball, it's sit, wait, explode. You know, I got to explode and that ball gets there. The ball's hit, now I got to explode and go get that ball. And so there's not a lot of, the action's like seconds rather than 40 minutes for a half. It's the ball's constantly in play. So it's very different and there's a lot to learn. So um, I know, I guess I'm kind of going in long. I told you I would do this.
0: round <laughs> about to get That's to the okay. end. okay.
1: But uh, to learn, it was um, really just stealing from other coaches, you know, seeing things that they do. And they're like, man, I should do that too. That's a great idea.
0: It's not um, stealing. We're all working together.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's stealing. It's,
0: uh, it's, it's upfront
1: stealing. You know, yes, they know so I right. stole it and I hope uh, people have stolen from me. Um, there's not a whole lot of original ideas when it comes to coaching. I mean, it's just somebody did it and you maybe change it a little bit to fit yours. Um, YouTube videos, sometimes even, you know, you see some, you know, someone that, you know, YouTube can be, tough. You know, you can, sometimes coaches that are, have been doing this a while, we can spot YouTube coaches, you know, because it's like, you know, you know a, a drill, but do you know why you're doing it? Right. So sometimes I'll see something on YouTube that's like, man, that looks cool, but why, why would I do that? So then I need to do a little research, dig a little deeper and find out the, the why. So, um, you know, in fact, I, I was watching a game and a coach that I know, and I saw a really weird defensive alignment. And uh, they're a team that we're normally much better than. And uh, I got home and said, why don't you guys do that? He brought it up to me. He said, why? And it made sense um, in that situation. And so even though my team may be older or um, more talented than other teams, there's still things that I can, I want to learn from other coaches mm-hmm. because there may be one thing that I can pick up that then I can, even that one thing may make a big difference for one of the girls that I coach.
0: It really to handbook.com.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, that's why I think this was, that's why I was excited to do this because I think stuff like this is great because we get a chance. I mean, the, the, the personal history is great on this. I like that too. But my favorite part of your podcast is, you know, because I've watched the episodes is to hear what some of the coaches say about like, you know, reasoning why they do certain things. And Absolutely. you know that helps me, you know, as a coach.
0: Absolutely. And I, I, it's really the reason why I, I'm always learning and I, I will never stop learning. Even when I'm done coaching, I, I still feel like that, that, that's prudent. You know, a lot of this stuff, yes, we're coaching athletes, right? But we mm-hmm. also have kids and, and coaching is a huge part of parenting. Yes. you know and whether we're coach, whether we're parenting our own kids or our grandkids or whatever uh you know a lot of this stuff translates and, and that's um what you know a lot of my other coaches that i've had on this podcast like they they don't do it just for the athlete they do it to make them a better person
1: well and, and that's the thing is you know good coaches use you because know, there's not, there are coaches out there that you know i i don't consider good coaches whether their team's good or not doesn't matter to me but um, I think good coaches use sports to teach life lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's things in sports that you cannot learn in the classroom. And you can sometimes can't even learn at home because you know, we're used to letting our parents down. We're used to getting in trouble for this or that. You know what I mean? But like, how do you handle um, knowing someone's counting on you, a group is counting on you and you let them down? How do you handle someone let you down? And you really, sports gives you a unique opportunity to um, be all working towards one common goal, and if everybody doesn't do their part I don't care what sport if everybody doesn't do their part, the group won't succeed so how do you you know deal with letting you know that's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. so kind of magnitude you know that magnitude of pressure how do you handle it and we get to help them through that in a safe environment rather than they're in the workplace and they can get fired
0: for stuff like that you know what I mean absolutely i I, my next question was going to be kind of a, a little uh, a change in pace but I, I want to stick to this type of response because you're you're bringing up some really great deep things um, so when I asked you if you had any accolades that you wanted me to bring up uh, whether championships the set and the other uh, you had a wonderful response um, you sent, and this is, I'm going to preface this, uh, this is a little bit long. I apologize to all my podcasters. You have to listen to me talk for a minute. Um, but if anything, it is, it is Coach Mike. It's not me. It's just me paraphrasing. Uh, you sent me a picture of all your trophies that you have, and they were all piled together on the floor. And cap the caption was, these truly don't matter to me. They occupy a space on my floor out of the way so they don't get broke. And then you continued with six individual photos um, taken very nice um, of gifts that um, were hung on your walls from teams that they have given you over the years. And you -hmm. you said, the long-term impact means a lot more to me than the league or tournament championships. These go on the wall and are displayed because they mean so much more. I, I really want you to get into that. I want you to talk about the why that means more to you than winning
1: yeah well you know first of all i will say that i am proud of those championships because of the fact that it um the girls worked so hard to get them um they have put in so much time so i think as as coaches and i don't feel like we do i feel like the girl that's why i have the pictures you sent i'm not in them the parents sometimes will force me to get the pictures, but I don't want to get the pictures because it's not about me. You know, I'm a I'm a grown man that has already you know done his time. This is about trying to help the girls or the boys or whoever I'm coaching, um, you know, achieve something together. So in that regard, I'm proud of those. But the I don't really I know this is going to sound like after school special, but uh, um, you know, I can't, yeah. But the current generation maybe not, won't know what that is, but like, you know, like How to bill Becomes a law, and like that song should be <laughs> coming up right now. So find that song and, you know, when you edit, put it in We'll here. put it on there. <laughs> but uh, I really don't think there's anything better you can do than make a, a positive impact in somebody's life. And, you know, nurses and, and police officers and teachers and people that do that kind of thing for a living. You know, I always worked in, you know, profit-based businesses. So you know, you don't really know you know how much of an impact you're making. So when you're coaching, if you don't respect that that uh, the gravity of that, then you're not coaching for the right reasons. Um, in my personal opinion, you know, I'm not trying to salt any coaches out there that are you know, and don't. And winning winning's more fun than losing. It always is. There's no question about that. Um, but you know, I don't sign up for tournaments that are below our ability. Right. Um, I don't, you know, every turn, every trophy we won, we intended for that, you know, we signed up with the idea that that tournament is typically a tournament at our level or a little bit above. Now, again, I don't want to, you know, I didn't sign up for tournaments, you know, where we're here in the tournament, you know, the competition's here. We don't want to go and just get destroyed. But I try to, you know, stay here. I would rather go um, in a four game tournament I'd rather go two and two and have like great games the entire time, mm-hmm. than go four and zero and, and mercy everybody.
0: Sure.
1: No, I'd rather go four and zero and have them all good games. Right, <laughs> but um, but the the gifts that the kids you know have have given me over the years the sign ball whether it's a sign ball from the hospital whether it's a you know a plaque you know or or a picture, um, you know that means so much more to me because those mm-hmm. Kids mean so much more to me than anything that could be given to me from a tournament director or a league, you know, director. So that's my after school special. PSP. The more
0: the more you know. Again, the little star is <laughs> you know, gonna go what, across. The star the is gonna you know. go across. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh you know. That's a great point. So one of the questions that I've always asked, um, and I didn't, I asked you in a roundabout way, but I've asked a lot of my guests, is you know, who was that one coach that, you know, meant the most to you? And really, in 20 years, I could ask the question to some of your players, and they're going to say you, because that's your mentality. And that's your, that's the goal. But I mean, that's, that's really the goal as a coach, right? You want to be, have made an impact, you may not have made them the best player in the world. But you want to right. have that impact that, you know what, I started with this part of the clay and I made this at the end. And it was working together with those those kids that allowed that to happen.
1: Yes. And that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, I, I was talking to a coach one time that he was trying to create a team that, uh, um, you know, at the end of the season, you cut you, whoever tries out, no matter if you're on the team last year or not they would take the best kids because so he was trying to create this. You know, he told me, I wanna win a state championship because in travel, they have state, state, type, state championship through different uh, organizations. And it's not like a high school state championship. It's, honestly, it's really just an expensive tournament um, that you may get good competition, um, but he really wanted to win one. And I'm the type that I only cut kids for one of three reasons, either attitude, effort, or parents. And that's the only reason I will not cut. If it, every year at tryouts, I need to, uh, I have kids that are better than some of the kids that have been on my team. But I don't take those kids because I already had, you know, I only needed two kids. And of the tryouts, they weren't the top two, but they still may be better than five or six kids on my team. Sure. Uh, but it's because I'm not trying to just build the best machine I can. I'm trying to give these kids what I want from these kids, put it this way. Is when they're older, that they'll meet for coffee one day, and talk about the tournament that we did that started at 8 p.m. and ended at 8 a.m. You know, at the and Schoolcraft, or Coach Mike's circuit, we hated how much we hated it. Or diving practices, or you know, I want them to be at each other's wedding. You know, lifelong yes. type things. So, my goal, I've always got a two-to a, a current year goal, an next year goal, and a five year goal. Um, so I've always been that way, and this year is weird for me because this is the last year with this current team, so I don't have that next year right. and five-year goal. But uh, everything I do leads up to that. So like, you know, before we won all those championships, our season, our first season with this group, we lost almost every game. It was horrible, and we lost some players because of it, and uh, because these girls were you know 13 years old and they weren't. Um, they, a lot of them didn't know how to field the ball. So instead of taking the time to like do advanced, you know, plays and fan skills, we were doing basics. Sure. And it took, you know, the people that stuck with it, they've, they've really gone through a lot and have built such a close bond with each other. Um, You know, I've been coaching these girls, like I said, this group for about five years now. And we, this is a group of girls remember teenage girls the entire time we've had no drama, like no drama. I had drama with one girl and I, I, kicked her I kicked her off the deep and I sent a message to everybody else that won't be tolerated because but I, a big part of that though is making them uh, go through some things that are really difficult because it naturally brings them together
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it makes them rely and remember that look I, I can't have drama with this kid because I need her you know mm-hmm. and that's that's something in life that they're going to have to deal with so yeah. I've been very blessed that I've got the greatest group in my opinion the greatest group of girls in the area.
0: I'd like to say I have the greatest group of girls in the area too, but mine are younger, so that's okay. We can. Right, we can so still you've got in. the greatest younger group in the area, and I've
1: got the greatest older
0: group. There there you go. How about that? All right, sounds great. All right, uh, one last big question, um, and it may not be that big. It's kind of more of a a, a fun question uh, before we get into overtime. Mm-hmm. I know you have a son that plays soccer. As a coach, is it hard for you to not be involved in his sport because um, you've said you don't know anything about soccer don't know much about soccer um whether during practice or games is it you you get to do all this stuff with your daughter right does it how what is it like to not be that for your son in soccer at least
1: it's it's really it's hard to explain it it's hard because I miss a lot because if they both have something, I can't miss mm-hmm. softball. Sure. So it's not like my wife and I can divide and conquer. We do divide and conquer, but we can't, we can't flip flop. Right. So sometimes my wife has to miss um, my, my daughter's softball. And, and a lot of times I have to miss my son's soccer because you know, the coach can't not be there. Um, but when I am there, it is, it is hard. Yeah. Um, I trust the coaches. I've been blessed to have great coaches. Um when Dan took over Sting, um, Sting you know, like we were with Sting before Dan, you know, took over from I think we are the only family that is still here from when he first started. And we were at the youngest age possible uh, outside of ASO. And that was his first year ever playing. So we had a different coach and then Dan took over halfway through because um, the coach we had left. And so we had Dan. Um, so I started out with having Dan as a coach, which made it easier. Um, and then, uh, you know, we had Dan's brother, and then, we'd have, you know, Dan again, then we had Adam, so I've been blessed to have these great coaches, but um, it is hard, because um, I have a rule that, um, two rules, one, you have to do something, I don't care what you do, it doesn't have to be soccer, it doesn't have to be softball, it doesn't have to be basketball, but you have to do something, and then two, whatever that is, you have to give it everything you have, so, in the car, if uh, after the game, if I have a conversation with my son, it's about his effort. It's never about his mistakes. It's never about, and that's hard because as parents, we want to, you know, get in the car and we want to tell him, "Hey, you did great." But <laughs>
0: there's the but you know. Yeah,
1: you know that time when that, you know that, you know, they kicked it back and that guy took off. You didn't really—I don't know what the terms are—but you didn't release and get back in time, so he got by us. Next time, you want to do this and. And, you know, in softball, same way, you get in the car and it's like, you know, with my daughter, I don't, my daughter, I don't, uh, I don't, when you get in the car, I don't give any kind of negative anything ever. Mm-hmm. And that took a long time to learn. And I tell parents, if you can master the car ride home, it's the hardest, you are so far ahead. Because here's the thing, we want to help them. Sorry,
0: oh, you're right.
1: we want to, we want to help them. But So we want to give them that information right away because we think that it's fresh in their mind so they'll take it. It's not, that doesn't work. If you look at the face of a kid when you start telling them what they did wrong, if you were to video it, their face falls every time. So if you can keep your mouth shut and get home and still keep your mouth shut, by the time the next practice rolls around, I promise you will not have forgotten the mistakes your kid made. Mm -hmm. And that's the time. When you're taking them to practice, you know, hey, have a good practice. By the way, remember that, that game and you forgot to release and get back on that guy? You should probably work, you should try to work on that today at practice. You still were able to give the information to the kid, but you were able to um, give it in a way that is better received. And, and I don't want to make this too long, but I've got a great story um, for you as how I learned that lesson. So, my daughter, I'd already been coaching my daughter in Little League for Um, a year and and travel for two because I actually coached you know travel more and I coached Little League and she wanted to play Little League one more year so girls are still pretty young like 10 11 but she'd been playing travel since she was eight so she's gotten better so I got like three travel kids on the team and the rest of the girls are just you know girls in the area and I've got them all on the line from first base to second base and I'm just hitting balls and they're throwing it back so some of the throws are going all over of course or they're missing the ball my daughter made a couple of bad throws and she threw one over my head. And I was like, I said, go get it. She's like, what? I said, go get it. So she went and got it and I kept hitting balls to people. So the whole game I can see she's mad. Like she oh, yeah. is mad. So we get in the car and she, uh, I said, we, after the game and I said, okay, go ahead. I know you're mad. She said, well, I don't understand why you made me go get that ball. And I said, you threw it 40 feet over my head." And she's like, well, I'm not the only one. I said you play travel and she's like well so does so and so and so and so you know and I said yeah but you know you're my daughter and, and you need to like you know it's typical like coaches being harder on their kids yeah so I watched one of the podcasts when you're you know yes that to one of your your uh or somebody touched on it on one of your other podcasts but so she said this great thing to me remember she's like 10 years old at this point <laughs> she says well I don't understand something then. I said okay what so I was like, you're the coach's kid, it's just the way it goes. She says, how come when we're on the field, you're not dad, you're coach, but I'm not, but I'm daughter and I'm not player. I said, that's because that's a good question and I don't have a good answer for that. And uh, I, I sat there in silence for a second and I said, you're right. I said, I won't do that to you anymore. And I, I thought about it and it's like, you know I'm a grown man that has volunteered my time to do this for, for kids. And I'm being harder on her. Why? Because we're all worried that that someone's going to think we're playing favorites with our kids or we're playing daddy ball. Um, so what? I'm a grown man. You know, I have the emotions and the the ability to handle that. So I'm lessening her experience mm. just so I can feel better about the, what the crowd thinks about me when I'm volunteering my time and they're just sitting in the crowd showing up whenever they want to. So at that that was the moment that. You know, I work hard. I don't succeed all the time. But I work hard on treating my kids the same exact way that I would treat any other kid that I coach. Um, it's hard because, you, you know, you see more of your kids and you naturally want to, like, you know, just like any parent. But I really work hard on trying not to do that because I think it lessens their experience. And using the term, well, you're the coach's kid is the biggest cop-out. Um, and no offense to anybody that's used that term. I've used that term many times. So I'm lumping myself into that group. Um, but I'm not always successful at at doing it, but I work really hard at trying not to. So with him, I think I've taken some of that into um, this because, you know, he he's not getting as much playing time now as what he used to under the new coach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, know, you know, we don't quite understand it, but neither one of us understands soccer. Sure. And, you know, the game changes as they get older, just like softball does. So he was wondering about it. And I said, okay, well, talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. That's your job. So we, and he did. He went to the coach and he's like, I just am not sure what I'm, if there's something I should be working on or what do I need to do better? You know, I was starting before and playing 95% of the minutes. Now I'm, you know, he didn't say 95%. I figured that out. I'm analytical. <laughs> but uh, he said, I played a lot. And now, you know, he went from playing 95% of the minutes to playing like 45 to 50% of the minutes and not starting. Um, so, you know, that's a learning thing for him though. You know, we're not gonna be that parent that jumps in and like,
0: you know, I'm you a taught coach, him so. to figure it out on his own.
1: That's just it. I mean, in a way, I mean we'll guide him, but I mean we you know told him don't ask during a game, don't ask after a game, you know, go to during sure.
0: practice, that kind of stuff. But that's something he yeah. can take to to a job.
1: Well, right. And that's again, that's the same thing as I guess that's one big thing of being a coach is you know, it helps me as a parent actually, not the mm-hmm. other way around. Um, to look at it in the same vein of everything is you know, using it for a life lesson using it for you know this is some adversity how are you going to overcome that adversity and yeah sometimes they're going to tell you what to do and you do it and you don't you're not successful and you got to figure out a way to overcome that adversity so
0: i'm glad i asked that question i we learned you know we're on a coaching podcast and we learn how to uh you know the the why we need to separate ourselves as a coach and a parent sometimes and you know and we learned that from a 10-year-old kid what, that's what just great, it yeah
1: yeah and it's like you learn you know And what i tell parents they're like well how do we do that i, was like, I don't know eat suckers like you <laughs> know we used to pass out and we used to get suckers for a while it was a joke on our team but we used to get suckers and there it's you like you know pat you know put two in your mind there sometimes you look over and a parent puts two in their mouth and <laughs> start laughing you know because but i um i have that's a, that's stress- a, oh, sorry go ahead I just have very strict standards for my players and my parents when it comes to behavior that uh, like you know soccer is crazy to me like there's people yelling and screaming like like in you know some coaches do a great job of it some coaches don't of controlling the crowd Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't let our parents you don't have to play for me if you don't want to but I if you're gonna play for me you're not yelling at the umpires I mean groaning here and there is fine but you're not yelling at the umpires you're not yelling at you're not fighting with the other team you better not saying any of the, the other teammates Um, But I'm, I've cut more kids because of parent behavior than I have um, attitude and effort combined. Um, But it's always, of course, you know, I talk to them first and, you know, but, uh, and it's hard, you know, it's like, you know, I don't, I'm not their parents. So, I mean, I, they're grown people. I I can't really tell them what to do, but they don't have to play
0: for me. Right.
1: Um, Because, you know, the kids should be proud of who they play for. You know, they shouldn't be like going like this because their dad, their mom's yelling You know, because they thought they were safe, and now they're getting in this big argument. And I've seen fist fights at games; it's just ridiculous. It's like you're at a, you know, you don't want to be on YouTube for those reasons, right? (laughs) Put it that way.
0: Exactly. (laughs) All right, are you ready for overtime? Fire away, man. Okay, quick answers. Uh, You know, if you have a little bit to say, no big deal, because some of them are a little bit more, uh, you know, in depth. But uh, this is the fun tar. This is the fun time I get to ask you a few really more fun questions. Um simple simple question, first one. While watching your kid play, not a coach, just as you are there as a parent, are you a sitter, a stander or a pacer?
1: Um I'm a sitter but I talk nonstop to myself. <laughs> My poor wife during basketball games, especially, it's like anybody that sits by me, I got to warm them. Look, I don't shut up, but I'm not loud, so I'm not yelling it where anybody else can hear it. But I, I am nonstop, either coaching or saying something to myself or talking about the game in general, whether my kid's in or not. So, I am a sitter, but I am, I am nonstop this to myself, basically.
0: Next question: uh, You're, you're, you've been a softball coach for many years. Do you have a quick America's Funniest Videos situation that you've had? Well, and I don't know if you understand that reference, but you're the same age. You. Come on. You know, I got you. Do you have you. an example for oh, us? Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I've got more than one. But the one that stands out is, uh, you know, I coach third all the time. So uh, foul balls, I make it this, it became this joke that, you know, I'd stop my feet all the time. And I'd like, look at my kids if they're right there and be like, look at those foot skills. So... A ball got hit towards me and I went to stop with my foot but it rolled up my leg and stopped directly in the middle literally we had to stop the game like (laughs) I had to I had to I was doubled up in pain and just standing there and had to like we had it was a good like two three minutes before we could resume and then of course I made a joke of it you know and I my girl named Leanna was up and I was like come on Leanna you can do it (laughs) But uh way to play it out. Uh, yeah. I don't stop the ball on my feet anymore. I just let it go by. It's not <laughs> it's not worth it.
0: <laughs> I think that's good advice right there. <laughs> at the beginning of a season, would you rather have a team of all stars or a team of role players?
1: Uh a team of role players. Okay. I mean it, it depends. I mean, it's a broad brush, so I mean I'm using stereotypes okay. for both. But, I mean, if the All-Stars are work hard and they have a good attitude, I'd take the All-Stars. But the role players, um, if they all understand, you know, if they all have the right attitude. You know, role players typically have a work-hard attitude because they're trying to get that next, you know, spot. Whereas a lot of times All-Stars are, you know, maybe entitled and they think that they deserve it. I may have a girl that's 1A, one, you know, 1 and 1A. They're that good. But I want this one that's not in cheering for this one. Mm-hmm. and just working hard to, and if she gets the spot i want her cheering for her um and that's you know healthy competition's is good um, but competition you got too many too many cooks in the kitchen can be an issue
0: so this may not apply knowing that you you stopped playing baseball in uh in uh, uh junior middle high school. middle school right. um but maybe you've done it as a coach uh so I have a second question behind it. If if this is a really doesn't isn't prudent, but what is or have you ever had any of your pitches like the little radar gun with mm-hmm. the the speed and what was that speed? If you with have? me throwing, yes. Oh God, okay. <laughs> I can't throw as hard as kids I have. Not even close. Okay, so I've then got some kids go that
1: can throw like sixty miles an hour, which is extremely fast for this age. Um, but, uh, no, I, batting, batting practice is never as good as regular. Now I throw harder than my assistants do. So that'll like, tell got one right? assistant that throws it like it's a men's slow pitch. I'm like, dude, that's not going to help them. We need to, <laughs> we need to put a little zip on, but we just, but the good thing is you can just move a little closer, you know, put a screen, you sit behind a screen and throw from a little closer distance. So they get a little bit more of a reaction, but no, I can't replicate that at all. No way.
0: What is the then as a coach in high school? Uh, what is the and I'm assuming high school can throw faster. What is the fastest pitch you've ever seen live? I'd say
1: probably like 64. Wow. What's um, normal
0: for uh, like college in, level?
1: It, that's about normal. Like, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, but that's 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 fat. A lot of people like like they'll go in a um, someone will tell me they can throw 60 they'll get in a cage because they they did it in a cage once where they have, they're not trying to aim. They're not worried about a batter. Mm -hmm. So even my players are the same way. Like they can, I got two, two girls. um, Right now I don't, um, because I lost one, but I have one girl that can get 60 pretty consistently in a cage, but in a game she's probably throwing 55, 58, um, somewhere in there with a fastball. Um, Wow. But it's more of a, you know, and I got a girl that throws in the low 50s, high forties, low, low fifties, but she can spin the ball. She can move it. Um, she can put it wherever she wants. Um, you know, and one thing you find in uh, softball, they have rise balls, which is a ball that comes in and then naturally rises. Mm-hmm. There's a drop ball where a ball comes in and naturally drops. And then you got a curve ball and a screw ball. So those are the like, basic pitches. So I get this all the time "or girls, like, I have five pitches. I have a rise ball, I have a drop ball. When the honesty is they have a, fa- a fastball that's high and a, a fastball that's low. It doesn't move sure. at all. It doesn't drop. It doesn't rise. It doesn't, you know, so really, if you can locate and put the ball in the outside corner, the inside corner, high, low, um, and you can have, and you have a changeup, if you can have those things, you can be a very, very effective pitcher for a long time. Once you get to college, you have to be able to move that ball. It's got to have a little bit of spin, a little bit of movement. But it's more of a. have oh, got a girl that is just, is never thrown hard, but she's always been able to put it where she wants. So, you know, people see her and they think, oh, we're going to kill this girl. And I hear coaches all the time girls we have to catch up to this girl and i just smile and it's not about catching up to her it's she's putting it where your your girls can't hit it right so um so yeah it, it, it's uh there's a lot of different pitches out there that you know but it takes a long long time to master those pitches to really say you have those pitches
0: and your girls are better than you without a doubt <laughs> not it's not even close all right last question and you have to be brutally honest with yourself. I want you're you're going to open up to the whole world right here in the very last no question. No problem. You're you're by yourself after a huge win. Mm-hmm. Your girls did great; they played perfect ball. Do you have a victory dance when no one's looking?
1: No, I'm a terrible dancer.
0: <laughs> do, you have terrible. A, do, you, do you have a? Do you have a? Even to me,
1: it's like, oh, that's terrible. I can't do that. <laughs> is there something no unfortunately i don't
0: if i did i'd do it i promise but i i don't have (laughs) any ritual that you do like if after you win let's
1: not really because um it doesn't matter like i don't go into it like how are we going to win this game don't get me wrong we try to win every game but i'm more on the ride home i'm not thinking about the win i'm thinking about so-and-so's first home run that they ever got big hug i got after their first home run that they ever had those are like my greatest memories and there was a girl in Little League that, well, I, was, I coached her for two years and she, she never hit the ball, not once. It was machine pitch. And not, could not put the bat on the ball one time. That's why we saw her the next time we were surprised she came out again. So I tried to spend some time with her. In fact, the guy I was coaching with actually walked by me, I was working with her and he goes, good luck. So oh, I thought no. it was kind of, you know, crappy, but you know, I understood he thought he was funny but um, she was just not very good. And uh, she finally hit the ball. And I mean, I would literally try to feed the machine where she was swinging. She would swing the exact same spot no matter where the ball was. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to adjust speed. I was trying to get the ball to hit the bat, which is impossible. She finally hit it, and we're like, "Ron!" And she got to first. And her mom was crying, like we gave her the game ball, and she started crying. So this girl got one hit in the entire time playing little league, and. It's still one of the best moments I've ever had, even after all the competitive travel and the college showcase tournaments and all this great ball that, you know, I've been able to see or be a part of that little hit still to this day is more is better to me than most of the championships that we've won. Um, But it's seeing a girl's first home run, knowing that you're part of a memory that is going to last forever, an immediate memory, not just a long term group, you know, total thing. But being a part of something, not just a spectator, but an act, active participant of that memory is something that you just can't describe. It's a feeling you can't describe. So things like that are things that I think about on the way home. And, the, you know, and then how did, what did we do wrong and how can we get better? I've already got the next practice plan figured out by the time we get home.
0: Right. Well, Coach, Mike, uh, last minute is all you. Um if you want to give one piece of advice, whether it's to coaches or players or both or parents, um, this is your minute to not have to answer to me and just say what you want to say.
1: Well, obviously I already, you know, kind of gave the parent advice, you know, master the car ride home. You know, be nothing I know they have the term, you know, just I love to watch you play, but it's 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 cliche, but it's true. Mm-hmm. If you are all about positivity and uh, positive thinking then it matters and then I I have that same advice for coaches is is figure out what kind of team you want you know have a plan for the future sacrifice now for tomorrow and make sure that you know you're spending if you're coaching boys and girls are a little different you know Um, there's an old saying that boys have to play well to feel good and girls have to feel good to play well Um, it's a broad brush of course not everybody fits in that but it is pretty true from what I found Um, but work on stuff outside of the game you know not just the physical skills but the mental side of the game you know we really work hard on uh, making sure girls don't talk to themselves you know the way that they wouldn't talk to a teammate Uh, like would you talk to your teammate that way well no then don't talk to yourself that way right so um, we work really hard on being positive and saying positive things and and if you have to say something negative to a kid, that's fine. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it, I think, as a coach. I think that's part of coaching. But I think you have to follow it up with a positive as soon as possible. So don't get me wrong. I've been on my bucket and I've yelled out to a girl, What are you doing? And she gives me that deer in the headlights. Look. Oh, no, yeah. And then as soon as she, but I meet her at the dugout. And as soon as that inning's over, and I let, we laugh about it and like, Listen, you know, this is what you did. Here's why, you, you know, you need to, and they're like, I know, coach, I shouldn't. I'm like, don't worry about it. It's over. It's a mistake. You know, you're allowed to make them. This is a safe place to do that. Um, and then players, it's just, you know, don't be afraid if a coach is hard on you. That just means they care. It means they see something in you. Um, but if a, even if a coach doesn't see anything in you and you don't have that great coach that, you know, all of us really look for, then take it upon yourself. Don't let that hold you down. Don't let anything stop you. Um, get, the, get the net out. You know, go go down to the, the park and shoot hoops on your own. Get out there with a soccer ball and do your own touches. If your coach isn't teaching you things, you know, believe me, ask your parents. They will they will help you. Um, and remember, your parent is your your biggest fan.
0: Absolutely. Coach Mike, thank you for your time today. I love learning about softball. Hopefully I don't look like too much of a fool in this podcast, uh, Drew, today because of that. Um, Not you know, at all. I think this was a home run of a hey, podcast
1: I see what you did there <laughs> uh, yeah
0: um, I hope to have many more like it uh, where I get to learn about all the different sports and coaching from different perspectives but I do I thank you so much for being here today um, hey, and, I think uh, what you're
1: doing is great and I'm, I'm I think this is a fantastic podcast and a fantastic idea thank um, you and I, and I as a coach I can tell you I have enjoyed um, listening to like the coaches that that it's not my sport so soccer and such, I think that's been, been great. And I really am very thankful that you had me on.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody. This is the end. Uh, we appreciate you coming up back every week. And uh, last week was spring break. So hopefully you all got caught up and uh, got some new episodes coming up your way. Um, again, this is a coach's hand, but thanks, everybody. And then the music plays. and. It's the best time, why you wanna be an outcast? Numbers don't lie, you gain a lot from this math class. It takes time to be great, you can learn the lesson. Blood, sweat, and tears, heartbeat of a champion. Big and small, your heart is the biggest weapon. So follow before you lead and water and plant your seeds. When it's all set and done, you be the best they ever seen. So listen to my catalog all on this conscious blog.